I love this place. I, I can't even... We came here in 1989, 1990. That means that we've been here for something like 27 years, or at least I have with my family and my parents. Um, so that's over half of the church's uh, existence. But, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm one of the young ones. So there's some folks here who've been here for 30, uh, 40, almost 50 years. They've seen it all. And here we are, 50 years later. And I mean, I, I think about the memories I have. Um, one of the first memories I have uh, here, and it's probably not even my memory. It's probably Jack's memory that's been implanted in my head because he's told the story so many times. But he said uh, it, when uh, we were applying for membership, um, we met with the elders. And as a little boy, I mean, I, I think I was in the fifth grade, um, I told the story of how my mom led me uh, to Jesus when, when I was four or five years old. And Jack heard that, and he said, that's, you know, what this church is about. Bringing people to the Lord. Um, in high school, uh, my band, my band played our first concert on this stage. And great news, I know a lot of you are big fans of, uh, of, of Hallie's Fifth. That's the uh, name of the band. Um, and recently, all of our music's been uploaded to the internet. So uh, the humiliation begins anew. And if you'd ever... If you'd ever like to hear uh, how bad we were, um, I have a couple of CDs in the back. I'll sign them for you, no big deal. Um, yeah, yeah, our first, our first concert was here. First of like three, and then we broke up. Um, I, I remember uh, coming back from, from college, or from Japan, really, and uh, just being, having, feeling very dislocated, you know, coming back to the United States of America after two years. And, uh, and, and I remember the first time we had communion here, uh, after I got back from Japan, I was like, I was weeping. I was crying because it had been so long since I'd been surrounded by people who confessed the same faith that I knew from, from long ago, uh, people who had fought the good fight. I remember when Neil left last year, um, a tremendous weight, like, oh man. And then uh, I, was, I was hoping that he'd stay for the 50th so I wouldn't have to do this service. High pressure, you know. Um, but that's okay. It's no big deal. Um, and uh, I remember um, thinking, uh, wow, 50 years. And then I remember thinking, do we have 50 more in us? Do we have what it takes? 50 years of this place, 50 years of the gospel, 50 years of scripture, do we have 50 left? Or are we out? Is the gas out of the tank? Is it time to, 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 to close up shop and, and move on? Is that where, we at? Is that where we're at? Or, or is there something for us? Um, I just want to show you a little video. Uh, At the 40th anniversary, there was a 10-minute video that was produced uh, to kind of share a little bit of the history of the church. I've just excerpted the first uh, couple minutes, and I would love it if you would um, watch it with me because it it just, it it gives like a a great sense of of our past, a past that very few of us actually remember. So um, please, let's, uh, let's take a look at it. It was on the first Sunday in July 1967 that a Bible class was started at the Ryan Ranch home in San Juan Capistrano. The road to the meeting place was straight and narrow, like the way of the Christian life being taught there. Colonel Ridgely O'Ryan, affectionately called Ridge by the class members, 
was the teacher. He was the ranch manager and also a retired United States Air Force colonel who had been taught at Dallas Theological Seminary. His motto was, preach the word, and he did it, verse by verse. Names, which Isaiah just tells us, just briefly in one little verse. He gives us these wonderful names. He's the father of eternity. He's the God of all the ages, everlasting. Can you go back beyond that? Do you ever give an exercise to your mind and wonder? I did before I was saved. I don't do it anymore because it's not, it's meaningless. Well, what came before that? And what came before that? And uh, before that? He's everlasting. He's the everlasting father. Outgrowing the living room of the Ryan home by the end of 1967, the class moved to the Palisades Elementary School in Capistrano Beach. And in 1968, they moved to the Marco Forster Junior High School in San Juan Capistrano and incorporated as the Coast Bible Church. But no matter where they met, it was also the consensus of the church board and congregation that the pastor continue to preach the word with sound doctrine. In 1970, planning for a future permanent location, they purchased the five-and-a-half-acre Shaw property for $80,000. Construction began in October 1975. Our building program theme song was Building for Eternity. Building for Eternity. That's a cool song. It's a cool idea. The idea um, being that, you know, whatever we're doing here, it's, it's really something eternal. It's something everlasting. Um, you know, 1967 or 1970, uh, 1975, when they broke ground, they probably weren't thinking about 2017 very much. But they were thinking about forever. And uh, one of the things that strikes me about that video, I, I love it. It's... Um, it's, uh, so it's 67, there's a Bible class. And then 1970, 1970, they find uh, this property and they purchase it. Uh, they say 80,000 in the video. Um, according to Ridge's um, autobiography or telling of the church edited by Margo, it was 60,000. Either way, it's appreciated a lot. And uh, we've done really, really well in the last 50 years <laughs> in terms of value. Uh, but what was cool is, is they, so they, they gather the money, right? And, and, they're, and they're sitting there and they're imagining, they're imagining what it's going to look like someday. Because they're, I mean, if you remember, I, I don't, because I, I was born in 81, so I, I don't remember this place in 1967 or 70, but I've seen some pictures. And, and after the service, if you go around and check out some of the pictures, we have some of the history of what this place looked like um, back, back, way back in the day. And man, it was desolate. There was nothing here. This was um, a ranch property uh, that got parceled up, and five and a half acres uh, were purchased by our church. Why? Why? Because at the time, they recognized, you know, Ridge and Al and some of those other old-school, old-timers, they recognized that this place was about to blow up, that Orange County was the next thing. And as they were thinking about the future, not the present, because, you know, nowadays it's like, am I happy, am I satisfied? That's the only thing that matters to me. 
it, back, back in the day when, when Christians were serious, they thought about the future. They thought about what was coming next. They thought about what their legacy was going to be. And they recognized that if they didn't seize this land now, someone else is going to pick it up. They recognize that, I mean, this piece of land is choice. This this hill is incredible. We got the five coming right by. And at the time, I believe they were planning to have Avery Parkway. And so they find this place that's going to be easily accessible to all the beach communities, all the inland communities, a place, and not only that, but it's high up. It's up where everybody can see. It's the high ground. And they went and they seized it, even though they didn't have the money to build a building. Even though there was nothing there except just the land, it was the belief that we are doing something that matters, something that's for eternity. And so we are going to go and hold the high ground. And then, yeah, they were right. Things did blow up around here. Things did change around here. And as they were thinking about that, as they were imagining the future, as they were envisioning, I can't help but think that they weren't considering this text from from Hebrews, which is going to be where we are today. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you're probably familiar with it. It's a beautiful passage. It says, therefore, we also... Uh, Hebrews was probably a sermon or some sermons put together. And, and, and so that you imagine a pastor in the early church saying something like this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every wake, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at that, that cloud of witnesses. You know, uh, in Greek, I mean, it is the word for cloud, but in Greek, oftentimes that word is just used for like a big crowd of people because if you imagine you're sitting there and you're in the middle of a, of a cloud, it's like you can't see, There's, you're pressed in on all sides. And so being in the midst of a crowd of people was idiomatically in Greek like being in a cloud. And so you can imagine not, not what we might hear where like there's these, these people hanging out on clouds, you know, playing their harps and looking down at us. It's not that. The image is clearly a race, right? And so what's going on? Um, there are a few insane people in this church, uh, truly clinically insane, who run marathons. <laughs> I'm married to one of them. Um, and boy, what an ins- Wow, I don't, I don't get it at all. But um, I've had the privilege of, of meeting her at the finish, time, finish line. It's a beautiful thing. Um, after you clean up the vomit, it's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it's, a, it's an emotional moment that you just can't get over. Uh, but what happens at these, at these good marathons is they've got a, a people along the sides as you're running through the, the, the race. You're, you're, you're going through, and as, far as, as much as you're running, there are people saying, go, 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 and they're throwing water at your face, and you're running. And, because apparently running a marathon is like this really deep mental challenge because you're fighting against your body, right? So you've got to go, and your body's saying, please stop, you're killing me. And your mind is like, no, I must finish for whatever reason. And, and so you... And so in order to get there, in order to get there, you've got to have people who are egging you on, pushing you forward, right? And, and actually the word witness is actually where we get our word martyr. It's a martyros. 
Um, in, in, in the context of Hebrews, there's all these people that, that, um, that have been talked about in the, in the previous chapter, from Abraham to Rahab, all these saints who had lived by faith and are now departed and now gone, and, and, it's, uh, and we're imagining that we're running this race, and all of these people, Abraham and the kings and the prophets and everybody that we know these stories about, these faithful people, are saying, they're saying, go, go, go! We at Coast have a crowd not a cloud, a crowd of witnesses. For those of you who are new, I just want to share a couple with you. Um, here's Al. Al Eaton. Uh, I said that uh, in 1970, um, the, the property was purchased. Al was the one who negotiated that purchase. He, he just passed on two years ago. He was a, an elder in the church, a gentle man filled with love. He was kind to all. He welcomed everyone with a big, big smile. And Al is sitting there on the sidelines saying, hold the high ground. I got this property not so we could squander it, not so we could ignore it. I got this property because we're building for eternity and Coast Bible Church today, hold the high ground. There's Fred. Fred Koblenz. Fred single-handedly uh, is responsible for most of the 40-year-olds with children staying in, who are here today in this church because when they were rowdy 20-year-olds, he had a, a Bible study, Sinks and Dinks, uh, where he, he gathered them in his home and he fed them and he loved them and he showed them the ways of Scripture. Linda, it's good to have you today. Fred was uh, also an elder and a, and a decent, gentle man and uh, we lost him way too, way too soon. Um, but he's here, man. He is there. He's on the sidelines, and he's saying, hold the high ground, Coast. I didn't come here and, and, and do all the things I could so you could just up and quit, so you could give up. I didn't invest all that time in all those people so that they could just, ah, be done with it, throw in the towel. He was building for eternity. Marianne, if our church has a mom... It's Marianne. Bonnie's taken up the, the charge. Uh, Marianne uh, was a, a woman who um, knew what it was like to be redeemed. And she was incredibly gracious in the way that she offered redemption to others. Um, she was a mentor to many. Uh, and she was the kind of person who, I, I screw up a lot, which is cool. Um, and, uh, and most people are, are like, you're the worst. And I'm like, oh, that hurts. It makes me feel bad about me. Marianne had this incredible way of being where she would look me deep in the eyes. You know, and I'm practicing my ministry, whatever. And, and she would look, and she would be like, Tom, you need to work on this. But it was, it was crazy. The way she said it, it was as if she knew what it was like to fail, knew what it was like to be forgiven, and knew what it was like to get back up and fight again. And so it actually encouraged you when she criticized you. She's the only person I've ever met who I'm like, please tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> and we miss her too. This great crowd of witnesses. I mean, there's so many more. There's Claude Willis and Larry and Nancy. There's so many people that we could talk about who are gone and yet are here saying, hold the high ground. If we could uh, take a look at the text again, 
It's, it's, it's so awesome uh, because when we're doing it, we, we've got this goal in mind, right? And it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I can't stand the New King James translation. If I were to translate it, I would say the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Because it really is um, the word for somebody who goes ahead, who leads the way, a trailblazer. It's, it's because Jesus is showing us in his life and death everything that there is to know about life and death. He's showing us what we can do, and he's blazing the trail so that we can come and follow him and be like him. And yet, as we go, you know, we're running this race, and we're tripping, and we're falling, and we're getting scraped up and beat up by, by sin and, and setbacks, and Jesus is the one who perfects the faith and fixes us and, and keeps us going. And, and what Jesus is, is he's a, a template for everyone in the church, everyone who will ever be in the church as a leader in any capacity. Because if you're a leader in the church, you too are a pioneer. You're the one setting the vision, blazing the trail for the people to say, this is where we're headed in Jesus' name. Our church has had three incredible pioneers. We've talked a little bit about Ridge. It was so funny. When I was watching that video, he started a Bible class. Does anyone do Bible classes anymore? I mean, now it's like people are like... Bible, yeah, this is an old book, somebody wrote it. What I really want is for you to tell me how to get my finances in order, leader guy. Uh, so get up there, yell at me for about 25 minutes about fixing my finances, throw a few ver- verses up there, we're good. That's kind of how things sort of go nowadays. But Ridge thought it was actually important to read and understand and teach the Bible. Did you hear in the video, his, his, his motto is preach the word. Preach the word. I remember as a high schooler, Arch doing a sermon on that very passage in 2 Timothy, saying preach the word. You see, this, this culture that we've got going on here, it's falling apart. Why? Because nobody is looking at the rule book anymore. And when they do, they don't understand it. And there has got to be a place where somebody plants a flag and says, we're going to understand and learn what God has said to us. And in 1970, they were looking at what was going to happen in Orange County. And Al and Ridge and others said, we're going to hold the high ground for Scripture, for the Bible. There's going to be at least one place in this area that doesn't stop teaching the Word. And I invite you to think. You look around. The Bible is less and less a part of life. And boy, that's working out great for us. All three uh, of these pioneers I'm talking about were, 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 had the same values, but I, I picked out one for each that, that really, I, I really see tra- blazing a trail. And so when Ridge moved on and there, there was a search, they needed somebody who was going to hold on to re- teaching the Bible, teaching the Word, and that was Archie. Little Archie. Doesn't he look trustworthy? He looks like he's selling you something in this. It's cool. I'm, I want to buy it's true, Arch got his, uh, his start as a Bible salesman. And he was like, wait, I can make money doing this? And then he went to seminary. Makes a lot of sense. It's good. One of the things that Arch brought, though, I mean, if you noticed when I prayed earlier, I, I started out, I said, gracious God and Father. Gracious God and Father. The reason I say that is because I can't start prayers any other way because I've been listening to him say that for 20 years. And so every time I start a prayer, gracious God and Father. And yet, think about that. Think about the fact that most of the people in the world don't have any idea what grace is. They're not interested in grace. Uh, Grace sounds like something weak or pathetic that you give when you're not strong enough to be whatever, judgmental. 
And yet Arch, for the 22 years that he was here, hammered the, the importance, the, the value of grace, God's grace, and our in turn graciousness to each other. He lived it. He experienced it. He shared it over and over and over again. I've seen that guy take some licks from people. And he turns around and lets it go. Because he understands what it's like to have been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ, by God in heaven, for all his sins. And so he built into this church a desire, a need, a DNA of grace. Grace, 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 and more grace. And he did it teaching the Bible. Bible and grace. That's who we are. When Arch moved on, Neil. I, I, Neil, the reason I put your family up there is because you're not that good looking. And uh, I wanted to airbrush it a little bit. And your, your kids and wife are just... <laughs> but I'm sure the A's are going to have a great season. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, no, really the reason um, I put that family picture up there is because one of the things that Neil brought and really emphasized at this church was that, you know, we always call ourselves a family, but he was going to tell us what it looks like to truly be a family and not just be a family uh, of all of us, but our own nuclear families, what that could and should look like when we live according to God's ways how an individual life can be balanced and whole, made right, and in that our relationships with each other can be deep and full. That it's not blood that binds us, but the Spirit of God. And that is more powerful and more binding. Neil, I am excited to see what you do when you straighten all those messed up pastors out. Because they are really messed up. I'm telling you, this job screws your mind up big time. And, and you're needed. Bible, grace, and family. And I know that if Ridge were here, and I know that Arch and Neil, who are here, are sitting there saying to you, oh, you're ready to just give up 50 years, you're done? Hold the high ground in Orange County, please. They're not hearing it anywhere else. They're not living it anywhere else. They don't have these things. And these are the building blocks of joy. These are the very things that God has put into our hearts to make us people that are like, the, are like Him. We have to have these things. And there needs to be someone who plants the flag and stands up and says, we won't abandon these things. We will hold the high ground. I want to look at the text Again, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Every race is different. Um, some are really hilly. Some are straight. That's probably not true. No one wants a straight race. There's probably hills in all of them. Is that fair? Okay, yeah. Not that I have any idea, but races are different, and they have different routes, and some go through Disneyland, other ones go through Orange County, San Diego, but every race is different. When, when, when uh, the church was beginning, right, uh, the race that they had to fight was run was much different than the race now. They had to deal with the Roman Empire. Um, there, was, there was just a different context, a different reality. Um, and if you go back in, in Hebrews before this, you look at all of the different races that were run. You know, Abraham, his race, uh, part of it was he was asked by God to sacrifice his son. And by faith, he was willing to do it. That's a heck of a race. And probably not the one that you and I have to deal with, I hope. 
And yet, every one of us does have a different race. In fact, the race changes uh, based on where you are and when you are. The race that CBC is running today is not the race of 1967 or 1977 or 87 or 97 or 2007. It's it's the race of 2017. Uh, Just a a couple of of, of differences. Um, Orange County, then and now. Uh, most of these are, are from 1967-70, uh, these stats on the left, and the ones on the right are the most recent data that we have. But it tells you who, what this place looks like and how it's changed in the last 50 years. Um, around the time that Coast was founded, there were 900,000 people living in Orange County. Now there are over 3.1 million. When, uh, when this church was founded, um, the this this county had not voted for a Democrat for president since 1938. That continued until 2016. This was the most Republican, it was like the hard you know, conservative core, I guess, of, of, of the country in some ways. That is no longer the case. Uh, when this church was founded, um, the demographics were over 80% white. We don't exactly have the demographics. Um, we are, I'm extrapolating from 1980. But it was at least 80% um, Caucasian uh, and 13% Hispanic with very little else. Now, 43% Caucasian, 33% Hispanic, 18% Asian, 2% African American. It's becoming radically more diverse. And, and everyone, and this is, there's a very not insignificant number of Muslims um, in Orange County people from the Middle East. Um, As that's happened, different traditions have come in. Back in the 1960s and 70s, you could assume that everyone had some familiarity with the gospel, with Christianity. Now that's no longer the case. Even many many people who you might assume are are actually three, four generations now removed from religion. If you look at the bottom there, 50% of the people in Orange County say, I am not religious at all. 50%. That's uh, 1.9 million, which is actually just about the same number of people there were in 1980 in the entire area. In 1980, we had a population of about 1.9 million, 18% were evangelical. Now we have 1.9 million agnostics, atheists, people who are of, you have no idea. That doesn't even count people who are in different uh, religious traditions. Did you see those awesome orange chairs in the video? I've been harping, I've been trying to get people to get excited about put, like, taking out the pews and putting chairs in. But then I saw that video and I was like, ooh, that looked bad. <laughs> but I'm not sure if that's just because of the color or... Uh, it was a strange time in the 60s and 70s. I'm kind of glad I missed it. But, um, and the beehive hairdos, those I'd like to see come back. Those were cool. Uh, and then the suits with ties. Ah, oh, John Mitchell, holding it down for the rest of us. God bless you, sir. You show the respect that is due. Uh, but, but the rest of us are falling apart. That's okay. Now, uh, well above the mean in, um, in the United States of America, 40% of people in Orange County have at least a bachelor's degree. Many um, up on a master's and terminal degrees. Um, it is now, Orange County is now the second most difficult metro area in the United States to buy a house. For first time. Second worst um, in the entire country to buy a home. Um, our middle class is disappearing. It's being gutted. 
uh, now almost everyone who, who comes here is either a professional um, or in the working class. And what used to, to bind Orange County together, the middle is disappearing at a, at a rate we've never seen. In fact, that means that the people who live around us who are coming here are, are people who are either struggling desperately or they're people who have no meaning in life because they have everything that they want. And there's very little in the middle anymore. Whereas, I mean, like they said, 60,000, 80,000 for this uh, piece of property in 1970. I mean, things have changed. And yeah, it might shock you to realize that even in the shadow of Saddleback um, and Mariners and all these large churches that are around here, that since 1980, the percentage of evangelical Christians has almost dropped by 50%. And many of the people who come are not only not religious, they're hostile to faith. Uh, we just found out that, um, yeah, so I guess they want to build the toll road and just drive it right through our church to, to, to relieve traffic on the five. That's a proposal that's out there. Um, there are 20 proposals, and that's only one or two of them, so we're, the odds are good. But the very point is, is that somebody out there is sitting there thinking, what's the most important thing in the world? Is it Bible, grace, and family? Nah, we don't need that. What we need is less traffic. That is where our, our county is. That's where the mentality is. Bible, grace, and family, meh. Less traffic, finally, I won't want to kill myself every day on the way home from work. That's where we're at. And the people who come are skeptical. They're educated. They're poor and rich. And they're wondering what this life is all about. And they're sitting there, and, and the answer that the world's giving them is, you need an extra toll road so that it's less less traffic when you come home from work. That's what the world is selling them. And little old us are telling them, no. We have got to hold the high ground. Because those are the only things that really, truly, forever matter. And all the time that you spend in traffic is going to be a blip in eternity. want to look at the text again. So cool. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Um, Wait, yeah, so I I guess in the ancient world, most people ran naked. Um, And if you think about it, runners nowadays are pretty close. Uh, They get as close as they can without being totally indecent. Um, And and there's a good reason for that, because anything you add weight-wise is going to slow you down. I don't care if you're my friend Leaf, who is really buff and works out all the time, if he's got a 50-pound weight pack on his, on his back and he's running up a hill, I could probably beat him for maybe two to three minutes before, he, you know, before I die of exhaustion. I, I, ran, I ran to the bathroom once. I was, whew. I was, it's like, whoa, no thanks. Uh, in fact, if you, uh, if you look at uh, other versions of this text, the Common English Bible translates weight luggage or baggage. And it really is. It's, it's, it's the same word if you want in, in, in Greek for carrying around your baggage with you. And, and it's this sense that, you know, there's two things that can slow you down in your life. One is the stuff that's in front of you, right? All the hurdles that are, if you're running, right? There's things that, hurdles are in front of you. Those can slow you down, right? Um, oh, I got to do it. I've been telling this joke. It's awesome. You're going to love it. I'm not building it up too much. Have you heard the news? 
Nine out of ten people who are afraid of hurdles never get over it. Yeah, I saw that on Reddit. I'm, I, that's in my pocket. That's ne- never going away. I love that one. Hank thought it was incredible. He, um, he almost passed out. That's what's in front of you, right? The hurdles, they slow you down. That's, uh, that's sin, right? Sin gets in the way. It's, it's the, all the stuff that we do, or, or uh, every one of us is different, but you know, the big ones are things like sex, money, uh, status, power, um, uh, honor, um, food and drink, things like that. Those are the kinds of things that, that get in front of us and they, and they slow us down, right? And so the idea is, well, let's just get those out of the way. That's the first thing. We've got to move those out of the way. The second thing is the stuff you put on your own back, that slows you down. So here we are. We're in Orange County. We're South Orange County. Things have changed. It's a different world than it was in 1967. And we've got baggage. When we think about how we're going to, to, to deal and how we're going to, if we're going to do it, if we're going to hold the high ground, we've got to make some changes. But it's really hard. It's really hard because we've got baggage. We've got weights on us, things that we love, things that we don't want to leave behind. We want to do the race, but we want to drag this with us because it's, it's really important to us. So I, I, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, making murmurings like, hey, let's, you know, maybe change the lights a little bit or let's, you know, update the pews. You know, I love the teal green. Uh, let's just maybe do a little something to freshen up. And there's people who, as soon as I say that, break out into tears. It's true. I've, I've made two people cry when talking about changing the sanctuary. Um, and, 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 and I'm not knocking it. Uh, I love this place. As, at least as much as you do, and, it, and it, it kills me to even think about anything ever being different here. But what kills me more is what's happened out there, is what's happened to Orange County, what's happened to this place that we live in, that we worship in. What's killing me is how secular and how lost it's getting, how broken it's become. And here we are, And we're wondering, do we have another 50 years? And we've got this crowd of witnesses. We've got these pioneers. And they're all saying, hold the high ground. Don't let it go. Don't give up. And what if, what if the reason that we can't is because we're so afraid to let some of that baggage off our backs? We want to hold on to the stuff that we got because we love it so much and we never want it to change. And as a result, we're unable to run the race that needs to be run so that those people will hear, they will come, and they will be, they will be able to experience the Bible, grace, and family that has saved us and given us hope and meaning and purpose. You know, when Jesus did it, He did it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And God sat him down at his right hand. Coast Bible Church, I know that that you, like me, love this place. I know that you, like me, cherish it deeply. I know that you, like me, believe that the only hope is Scripture grace and a gracious family. And because I know you feel that way, I also know that in 2067, I'm definitely not going to be here. Uh, I'm planning on just a massive heart attack at about 55. So I've got about 19 years to go. 
Um, I want one of those really quick ones where you just out. I don't want to. I don't want to go to the hospital. Just, just to get it done. Uh, but for those, some of you may. Some of you may be here in 2067. Most of us won't. But I know that on that day, July 2nd, first weekend, first Sunday of July, in 2067, there's going to be some guy up here, and he's going to be looking back. And he's going to be showing some pictures on screens or Google Glasses or whatever they've got at that point. And there's going to be Ridge. And there's going to be Arch. And Neil and Marianne. And maybe, maybe Dave Bacon. You know? maybe, maybe, maybe some people here right now. Maybe Jack. Maybe Bonnie. And he's going to say, thank God they held the high ground. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the legacy that you've handed down from Ridge to Arch to Neil. We thank you for the many saints, the crowd of witnesses who are surrounding us, beckoning us forward, calling us to hold on to this land, to shine for you, to be the city on the hill, to never forsake and never quit. God, I pray that you will stir in our hearts a desire to hold on to this ground that we too will build for eternity. In Jesus' name, by whose power it all is possible, we pray. Amen.